0: So we're studying John chapter 9 today and if you wanted a title, it really should be When a a Blind Man Taught the World to See. And I used uh, in preparation for this uh, lesson was that we walk by faith and not by sight. But this story is this remarkable story of healing that happens in John chapter 9. This guy that was blind. And, and Jesus heals him in this, in this strange way. He takes his spit and he takes clay and he puts it in the guy's eyes and then he tells the guy to go to the pool of Siloam and wash and he washes his eyes out and then he can see. And a lot of times we may stop with that part of the story, but there's more to it and we'll get to it. But this blind man teaches the world to see. Aren't you grateful that you can see? Sometimes people say seeing is believing. And a lot of times what they're talking about when they're talking about seeing is believing is that they have to behold something with their senses. They've got to see it to believe it. But just the mere fact that you can see should be some evidence for some believing. Your eyes are incredible. Your eyes are magnificent. Your eyes are beautiful. Your eyes are the most active muscle in the body. Your eyes can process 36,000 pieces of information in a single hour. Some of that information, I'm sorry, is me right now. You will process 24 million images in your lifetime you can distinguish 10 million different colors with your eyes. They talk about that old book, Fifty Shades of Grey. I haven't read it. But your eyes can process not 50 shades of grey, but 500 shades of grey. Take that, whoever that writer is. Under the right conditions and lighting, you can see a candle 14 miles Away. It's possible for you to blink five times in one second. And that usually lasts 100 to 150 milliseconds. You blink 4,200,000 times a year, which makes it 10% of your waking time is closed because you're blinking. Amazing. Your eyes can get sunburned. It's impossible to sneeze with your eyes open. And your eyeballs do not grow, even though your ears and your nose does. And you only get to see about one-sixth of your eyeball. The rest of it's hid back in here. And the cornea is the only tissues that don't have blood. And it's impossible to do an eye transplant because there is a million nerve fibers that connect to your brain. It's too difficult. It's too complex. And 80% of your memory is composed of what you see. 39 million people suffer from blindness in the world. And brown eyes are the most common eye color out there. And all babies are born colorblind at birth, and then your eyes begin to develop two weeks Afterwards, you begin to see color. Seeing is believing. There's so much to our eyes that Charles Darwin had this to say in The Origin of Species, to suppose that the eye, with all of its its inimitable contrivances for adjusting the focus to different distances, for emitting different amounts of light, and for the correction of the spherical and chromatic aberration. Big words there, Dr. Darwin could have been formed by natural selection, seems, I freely confess, absurd in the highest sense. Seeing is believing, isn't it? The fact that you can see points to something. A lot of times, some of the complaints that people have about God is His hiddenness. The fact that we cannot see Him. But Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And one of the consistent messages that we receive in Scripture is that we can't see God. That no human being on earth can see God. Remember in Exodus thirty-three twenty, it says, you cannot see my face, for no one can see my face and live. If we were to see God in all of his glory and all of his power and all of his splendor he would probably vanish in about a in a blink. You can't see God. In the book of John it says no one has seen God at any time the only begotten son who is in the bosom of the father he has declared him. And even though we can't perceive God with our senses with our eyes we do see what God has revealed, what God has created. God has revealed Himself through His creation. We see Him indirectly, as it were, through the things that He's made. How many of you have seen electricity? None of us have. But we see the results of electricity. We see the lights that are on in this room. But none of us would doubt that electricity exists. And so it is with God. God reveals Himself through the light, through our eyes, through His creation. Paul said it like this, "...for since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things which are made, even His eternal power and divine nature." so that they are without excuse. Some people make the mistake of trying to find God in the universe, not recognizing that God is beyond the universe. It would be the same mistake as looking for the architecture, the architect of this church in the walls of the building and saying there is no architect. But no one makes that fallacy to it. Hey, I haven't found the architect yet. He's somewhere over here. No one makes that mistake because it's the product of a mind. It's the product of intelligence. And there's different ways to sing. We have been spending some time with our nieces this weekend. We got a two-year-old niece. Now, does anybody got a $100 bill? How many of you would give a $100 bill to a two-year-old. I don't see a line forming. You would. (laughs) Now, if you hold the $100 bill up in front of the two-year-old, she will see or he will see the $100 bill plainly in front of them. They will see the $100 bill, but they will not see the $100 bill. Isn't that correct? They will behold the paper They will behold Benjamin Franklin, unknown to them. But they will not see the $100 bill. you get what I'm saying? That they see it without the understanding of it. And the same thing happens to us spiritually, it seems. That we can see the universe... That we can see fellow humanity. That we can see morality. That we can see all these things that are around us. And yet we don't see God. Because ultimately we're not understanding what we're seeing. Just like if you were going to get in a time machine. And get your VCR. And take it back to 1950 and show somebody a VCR. They would certainly be able to see it. But they wouldn't understand it. They wouldn't see it for what it really is. So seeing and understanding are two separate things. We perceive God ultimately not through our senses, not through our eyes, not through our touch, not with our hearing. But ultimately we sense God through our hearts. That's why when the psalmist devout in Psalms chapter 14, he says, the fool hath said in his heart there is no God. That's why when Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God, because perceiving God is something that we do with our hearts. And it's done through faith. Remember the Hebrew writer in Hebrews 11 says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of what? Things not seen. But it goes on to say that we believe that He formed the world with His words in Hebrews 11, verse 3. We understand that He created through His words. This is similar to the message of Jesus in Matthew chapter thirteen fourteen. that ultimately, if we're not perceiving God in our lives, it's not a sight problem, it's a heart problem. Matthew thirteen fourteen. Hearing, you will hear and not understand. And seeing, you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of the people have grown dull. And it comes down to, Is my heart pure? Is my heart pure? If my heart is pure, I can begin to perceive who God is. Because it's from the heart. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Listen to the words of Titus 1.15. To the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure, but both their mind and their conscience is defiled. You see, ultimately, my heart has the problem of not perceiving God. And if I want to perceive God, if I want to know God, I need to purify my heart to be able to feel Him and to perceive Him. And ultimately, it's the truth that does that. Peter says in 1 Peter 1.22, "...since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible through the Word of God, which lives and abides forever." And then we get to this gentleman that's blind. And Jesus, it says in verse 1, passes by and he sees a man who's blind. So what immediately starts to happen after he sees a man that's blind was disciples start to judge the blind man. Isn't there a lesson for us in this? Listen to what they say. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Isn't that something? That here this man, he was born blind, he couldn't see. And what happens with the disciples of Jesus? They start judging the man, saying, what's wrong with him? What did he do to deserve this? Or what did his parents do to deserve this? And don't we do that with those sufferings sometimes? Well, what did they do to deserve it? Why are they poor? Why are they broke? Why are they hurt? Why are they sick? Why are they blinded? It must be something they did. But Jesus says something very interesting. Neither this man nor his parents sinned. that doesn't mean he's saying they're perfect. What he's saying is is that the blindness is not a consequence of sin. That the the man is blind not because of sin. Listen to this. But that the works of God should be revealed in him. You see, God can take something that's wrong with us. God can take our brokenness. God can take our blindness and can work through it. God can heal us of our brokenness and our blindness. God can open our eyes. And the whole purpose was that the works of God may be revealed in Him. Not only is this true for this blind man, but this should be true for your life too. That God is wanting to work in your life. He's wanting to demonstrate His power in your life. It's only through God's power that we overcome sin. That we overcome death. And God wants to work a work in your life. And so Jesus heals this man. He does, in verse 6, He spat on the ground and made clay with saliva. And He anointed the eyes of the blind with the clay. It's a good thing the guy was blind, right? How many of us would stop him if we knew what was happening? And sometimes we don't see what God is doing in our life at the time. Because God can take mud, God can take spit, and cleanse the blind. It seems incongruent. It seems like it doesn't. It's not supposed to work. That's not how you heal people. But yet, God is working a mighty work in this blind man's life, and He sends him to the pool of Siloam, which is translated "sent." And he went and washed and came back seeing. Do you think this poor blind man had some faith in him? Was he trusting in the instruction of Jesus when the blind man felt whatever it was in his eyes? And now he was told to go and wash in the pool of Siloam. I hope one of the disciples had to lead him there. I hope he didn't have to go there by himself. But he washed his eyes and he was cleansed. But you know what? That's just where the fun begins in the story. Because Jesus heals this gentleman on a Sabbath day. And of course, for the Pharisees, this was something that was a faux pas. This was sinful. You weren't supposed to do these kind of things on the Sabbath day. And so they start questioning this guy about his healing. Well, who healed you? Well, what was he? Was he a prophet? They went so far as to go to the guy's parents and even ask them, but has he been blind from his birth? And they start asking him all these questions. You know, you would think that when someone receives their sight, when someone receives a blessing, that people would celebrate this, wouldn't you? blind man's been healed. A blind man sees. And yet instead it becomes a point of contention for the blind man. And his family. I like what he says. In verse 25. And he answered and said. Whether he is a sinner or not. They accused Jesus of being a sinner. I do not know. One thing I do know. Is that though I was blind. Now I see. And that gives me faith. Because sometimes I don't know all the answers. In Christianity. I don't know all the answers to the Bible. But one thing I do know. Is that it works. And that I can see. That I do know in whom I have believed and am persuaded. I know that God works. May not know all the answers to why and how. But I do know I can see. Just as this blind man. But what does he teach the world? Verse 32. Since the world began... It has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. Here this blind man is teaching the Pharisees about God. They answered and said to Him, You were completely born in sins. And are you teaching us? Listen to this. They cast Him out. Imagine that. They cast him out of the synagogue, the place of worship. He has no more place in the, in the synagogues because he's confessed Jesus. Imagine that. If someone came to church, was healed, and then we kicked him out because we didn't like something about him, because they were confessing Jesus. Listen to this Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, he said to him, Do you believe in the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. Then he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped. Not only had this poor blind man received his physical sight, but now he was beholding the Son of God. What was once in his eyes a rabbi, what was once in his eyes a prophet, has now revealed himself as the Son of God. The blind man is teaching us who Jesus is. The blind man is teaching the Pharisees who Jesus is. That Jesus is the Son of God. I'm reminded of that story when Jesus goes up on the Mount of Transfiguration. He's up on the mountain in Matthew chapter 17 and and then lo and behold, Peter, James, and John, they, they, they see that Elijah and Moses are there with Jesus. And Jesus is transfigured in front of them. Of course, Peter wants to build a couple of tents, a few tents to honor them. He wants to stay up on the mountain. He's having a good time. He's getting to hang with Moses and Elijah and Jesus. And it says that all of a sudden, they disappeared and they could see no one but Jesus. And isn't that the life of a Christian? Living our lives seeing no one but Jesus seeing Him in faith, seeing Him with the purity of our hearts, seeing Him for who He is. So today, I want to invite you to open your eyes. Not the eyes that are so remarkable that where you can see me and see your spouse and see your loved ones and see the beauty of creation. I want you to invite you to open the eyes of your heart And to begin to see God for who He is. See Him as our Creator. How did we get here? Why are we here? It's because God loved us into existence. He also sent His only begotten Son, a man named Jesus, to die for our sins. And when you behold Jesus, you behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And to see Him clearly is to cleanse our own hearts and to pray that prayer of David, create in me, O God, a pure heart and renew a steadfast spirit in me. Create that clean heart and with that pure heart, you will begin to see God every day in your life. Learn from the blind man who could see clearer than anyone else. If you're not a Christian this morning, the Bible says that sin... Is what hurts us. Sin is what destroys us. Sin is what destroys our families. It destroys our communities, and that we're to turn from that which condemns us and to turn to Christ, to repent of sin, to confess Jesus just as this blind man did when he beheld Jesus in his eyes, when he could see him for who he was, to confess him to be the Son of God, to obey him in baptism, to put on his name and then to walk with Him and be a part of His church, His kingdom. To begin to see Christ every day. And you know what will happen? People will begin to see Christ in you. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And when you begin to see Christ, others will see Christ in you or if you need prayers of healing or encouragement, we're going to sing this next song to encourage you. So if you have any need, won't you come now, as together we stand and as we sing.